So I feel like it's going to be Tom heavy this episode. I'm just going to absorb your knowledge. You have a reason to want to discuss this topic, don't you? Yeah, it's very uh, current in my mind. So why don't you ask, ask the question? Okay, Tom, where do you find out about jobs to apply to? From last week, all I have is indeed.com. <laughs> and that is a pretty broad brush. That's like, There's jobs on there for everything. You can go and work at a supermarket or you can find a hospitality position there. You can do all sorts of things. Where this episode is going to cover, the things that we're going to look at are the more niche spaces, the more specialised areas that have jobs tailored to our industry. So I could find jobs on Indeed.com, but there are probably better places that I can go to. Yeah, and I think definitely for larger companies, stuff gets advertised on Indeed as well. So you will often see things on there. When I was applying for jobs teaching, uh, there was a specific website that everyone went to. So we had this, the the TES, the Times Educational Supplement, have a jobs application list. And basically, that's where you look for your job. So there's like one central place. There's a couple of places, but that was the, the main one that everyone went to. Is there something like that for maybe the tech sector? Absolutely. I would say the, the Stack Overflow job board is like that. Um, so if, if anyone listening isn't familiar with Stack Overflow, then... You've never Googled anything, obviously. <laughs> um, that's the, the, the it's always one. the first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as well as being a community where people ask and answer questions about code, there's also now a, a flourishing industry sort of running parallel with that underneath, which is job adverts. So they, sort of, it's, a, it's an advertising-funded model, that site, I think. There's a lot of advertising on it. And more, the last couple of years, that advertising has been becoming more and more job-oriented. And it's actually, it's one of those instances where targeting is pretty good. If you've got a record of looking at JavaScript questions, for instance, then you will see jobs that are sort of relevant to you as a JavaScript developer. From my experience, I've definitely seen that as well, actually, and never, obviously, not. I've not been at a point where I've been thinking about applying for them. But I now that you mention it, I've seen them pop up at the side, like Python-related ones. Probably just because that's all I search a lot on Stack Overflow. And one of the things that the Stack Overflow job board like pushes quite heavily is the the Joel score, I think it is, which is like a ten point list of criteria. Like, does this does this company use version control? Do they have a CI pipeline? Do they release every day? There's a few different things that might be relevant to various levels of developers that they might find it might find important. It's not important that someone scores a 10 on it. I think it's just as a, a marker of the kind of things to look for. So it's like when you're trying to find a hotel, four star could still be a really nice hotel, even though it's not got the five stars. Yeah, um, but I think it's more specific than that because it's not a one to 10 rating. It's a checkbox of 10 things. Yeah. Oh, let me pull it up quickly, actually. It might be interesting. Oh, it's 12 steps. Do you use source control? Can you make a build in one step? So can you compile your whole site just with one thing um do you make daily builds do you have a bug database do you fix bugs before writing new code do you have an up-to-date schedule yada 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 it's a list of very kind of relevant things i wonder how they check that sounds like quite specific things do you think it's just the company says yes we do this or i think so yeah i think the stack overbird community is big enough that if someone put something up there and they didn't bet all the money in my pockets that they would get called out on it yes (laughs) that they'd have a diplomatic incident i think there can be some very uh not friendly people on stack overflow yeah yeah how's it how have you found it as a beginner i mean we'll we'll probably circle around to this in a future episode but yeah just as a broad stroke what's it like okay but then i was like i posted one question and i got a couple of upvotes i was like yeah feeling good and then i posted another question they said what's this stupid question this has been asked already in a and then I looked at the question that had been asked. I didn't really understand the question from there. So I don't know. And then this, so I got loads of comments about people arguing with each other, whether it was a question or not, and not, not as many people answering the question, which was a bit annoying. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got the authentic Stack Overflow experience. I think there are, there are a few people campaigning 
on but and some people working within stack overflow to make it more friendly um whether that happens who knows but i think there are there are people with their heart in the right place trying to do good work and you can find good things on there and yeah coming to circle back to job hunting it's a good place because it's credible it's not like a, a recruiter's phoned you up and doesn't know even doesn't even know how to pronounce the buzzwords that he's read on linkedin yeah it is it, it's if someone's advertising on if they've, they've taken the time to actually pay the money to advertise on the stack overflow job board then you know that they're at least they know what they're doing to a certain level they've at least uh googled something <laughs> <laughs> at some point <laughs> yeah which sounds like a very low bar but once if we start were to start talking about recruiters it's not the yeah not many cross that bar <laughs> let's hold you off on recruiters until the end <laughs> yeah they will save that as a little treat delicious treat for the end <laughs> we'll let you we'll let you rip it <laughs> last couple of minutes <laughs> yeah but before you reach that point there are another it's like another tier of job boards so the one i use a lot is the code pen job board which is kind of the same job board as is on shop talk and css tricks the kind of the chris coyer empire essentially but that's a really good board because they are very very front end specific which is often quite hard to find i find that a lot of software engineering jobs uh so I was looking at angel.co or there was somewhere that I was looking where you had to like fill out an algorithm algorithm test before you could have even put your CV on there. Are you any good at working out big O notation? I was like, nope, I am not. Uh, I, make, <laughs> I make pretty pictures. <laughs> uh, today, people were talking about where to apply for jobs on my West London Coders Slack group. Oh, nice. Um, so someone asked and then they said, but apparently angel.co is, um, is to do more like startups if you want to have a risky life <laughs> well it started as a way to find angel investment for startups so people who were making a business would use it but then because it's grown and been successful those people who have made businesses with angel funding they now need people to work for them so it's a yeah but you're right to say that there is a, a sort of an element of risk there um they're not big established tech companies but they are ambitious tech companies and sometimes that can be a great thing to have and like i say it's another niche board that has very specific kind of openings on. So that's job boards. So what would your next suggestion be? Well, you've already sort of started mentioning Slack groups and things. And so let's skip to the, the networking section. Telling telling your friends about good opportunities, that's a really big part of being aware of what's available. What I find most useful about that is not necessarily the tips for the actual jobs themselves, but to see what the discussion is around a job. So someone posts something and the salary is really low, everyone sort of goes to town and complaining <laughs> about it. Or or if like, yeah, the, the dreaded competitive salary advert is like you want, you want to have a bit of discussion around that to sort of get a sense of what people mean so you don't feel like you're going in quite so blind um and, and often i mean it's probably a good time as well to have a tangent for a tangent and talk about uh, geography as well which is a massive influence on how your search looks so the the job boards that we've spoken about are very tech center focused so if you live in San Francisco or you live in London or Berlin or Amsterdam or somewhere that have a lot of big tech companies, you're more likely to find something there. Otherwise, it's uh, you're looking at remote opportunities. And then I guess a lot of companies try and try and get you to relocate. You see that in quite a few applications, like looking uh, happy for relocation or something like that. Yeah, and so and that can that can mean all sorts of different things. Generally, it's like, oh yeah, we'll give you three thousand pounds to help move. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is yeah, I don't know. They're, they it runs the scale depending on budgets and, and the level of the position. That can be a good option for some people to move to where the work is. Um, but I mean, certainly my experience is that that doesn't suit me. I've not ever been in a position where I've thought, oh, I actually I will move for a job. 
Well, if, I'm, I'm sure if they gave you the right number, you might. Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. No. An offer you can't yeah. refuse. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't have a price. I'm just saying no one's met it yet for that. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I'm working remote at the moment, so I'm working for a company that's not near where I live, so that does happen. But um, it's definitely worth saying that remote positions are not at all entry-level friendly, I don't think. I guess you've not got that experience at that point to be able to be confident. I would not have that experience in being confident knowing that I was doing the right thing. And I guess being remote is hard, like we've discussed previously, um, having someone in the room that you can just turn to and say, oh, what? how do I do this? Or... Yeah. help me with this mm-hmm. and just that sort of guidance and getting a sense of what it's like to work in a company that's doing tech work that's a deal breaker most things that come up in these discussions are kind of oh well it depends there's 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 two sides to them i think if you're just starting out get a job with other developers be in the room with them um, i think that's that's yeah. non-negotiable that's what you, you need to do that to get the sense of how the industry works what your particular role in it is as you start looking at these job job descriptions you'll see that they are quite often they can be quite similar there's a lot of things that crop up in all the same different jobs and the interviews often they will use the same functions to test like your coding skill you'll get given the same challenge by lots of different companies to do if that's if you're applying for a position that has sort of coding challenges as part of the application process it can look very similar from that level but then once you start every job is completely different there's so like mm. so many nuances and so many weird like just in terms of like hosting for instance like <laughs> you've got this code you've got to get it to run somewhere work for lots of different clients and lots of different companies none of which have had the same infrastructure behind it and that's one of the things I, f- I find that hard to learn it's not an easy thing and if you're new coming to it you've never done it before but oh, you're not going to have seen that in a boot camp <laughs> i guarantee it so yeah so the, so the way that relates to geography is if you don't want to move you're limiting your options so unless you live in a big city already you're likely going to be looking at a much smaller pool of places that you can work in you do have to tailor your approach to that so you need to know who is active in your area you need to know what the company who the companies are um, and you need to know if you're not involved in the networking groups get involved in the networking groups because as soon as there are enough companies to warrant like to make it a sensible thing to decide to look for a job in that area there will be if wherever there are developers there are meetups yeah and that's been something that i've found useful here even though i'm not looking for a job in london it's that when you go to the meetups people are it's kind of i mean i hate the word but you are networking with people and making new contacts and one of the meetups i go to they say is anyone looking for a job um at the end and you can stand up and say a piece or there'll be people there looking for that their company are hiring so they'll stand up and say we're hiring we're looking for this sort of developer and if you're maybe at a language specific meetup or just you're in that area then you know that the people talking about that are from your area so for example the, the python one i went to the people there they're they're asking for people that know python yeah so if you were staying if you were staying in that area that's a fantastic resource for you to like, a way of getting in touch and it's so much better to have had a conversation with someone and then send an application so that they know either they're expecting it or they recognize your face or your name yeah such a percentage of the hard work is done there yeah and i guess a lot and and through all these slack groups and things and chat rooms or whatever then you are in a way meeting these people it's not like when you send your application they've literally never heard of you at least they've got some sort of foundation mm. on which to think actually this person person is someone that is reaching out to these places isn't someone that's just sat in their room blocked off from the world and is just applying to jobs they're actually someone who's engaging with the community and probably by doing that wants to learn more i imagine a lot of people that go to meetups and that are 
chatting on slack and things they're not the sort of people that, that are kind of plateauing or aren't looking for an extra challenge they're the sort of people that are a bit more motivated to get out there and do things yeah and yeah it's, it's a, it shows it's indicative of a certain level of motivation or just general interest in what they do that they want to be they want to carry it on outside of work hours not that you should have to carry on things out of work hours if you unless you're trying to change career like me yeah, which but, i have to <laughs> at, at those points where you're trying to find a new position even if you've been doing it for a long time get out there do it do stuff out of work hours because you don't have to but if you do it helps <laughs> so every everyone else who is getting ahead is doing that <laughs> do you think people look at github and how much you post how much how many green squares you've got it depends because there's different i used to really worry about it um, and I went through a time where I went like my GitHub streak was really important to me, but it doesn't really matter. Having been on the other side of the table now and looked at applications for people coming through, it's it's an indicator that someone's good. So if they're doing lots of open source work, that's good. If they're on GitHub and they're active, that's good. If they've got a dormant GitHub profile, it's generally like a prompt to ask a question of like, oh, so what kind of code do you do for fun? It's not make or break, I don't think. Uh, if I think more, what's more important, like more likely there, is kind of the networking that you get from contributing to an open source framework mm. or open source project. Like if you're in there, you're in you're in the pool, making pull requests. You're having conversations about the code. You're showing that you're active. Someone might then see that and reach out, or you might notice someone from a company that's working on the same thing you're doing, and they've got a job, and you can say, "Oh yeah, look, I've worked on that thing right here. You can see it." Yeah. Like it. Oh, that's a really good point. As usual, I hadn't thought of the networking side of it, but that maybe because that's because I haven't actually done any real open source. Well, I say real in inverted commas, open source stuff. In terms of like managing your GitHub profile, it's more like we were saying last last time. It's more about being a person. It's that if you're present and you're doing stuff, and you can ha- you have evidence of the work that you're doing. Whether it, it could be GitHub, it could just be something. It could be something else. It could be an actual project that you maintain online that is a website that people can go and look at. It doesn't mm. have. To, you're not going to not get a job because you don't have a GitHub, but everything helps. So we were talking about meetups earlier, and I guess you could kind of lump into that conferences, and I've not yet been to a developer conference. I'm yeah, but you're going. You have a ticket I am there, going. don't you? I've yes. got a ticket to one, and there's a, there's a fantastic speaker there, um, one of the premier podcasters of Cornwall in the southwest. I thought, I thought you were setting up for... <laughs> An epic burn, then. I thought you. Were. No, no, I'm being nice. <laughs> There's this fantastic speaker. Yeah, they're talking about, and then it'd be somewhere different. <laughs> it's but, me. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> Tom is speaking about what well, you can tell us. Yeah, web audio, the web audio API. I'm having some fun with that and doing it in front of people. Um, I thought I've been struggling at work lately because a lot of my work is time zones and translations and interna- internationalization, which is one of the classically hard things that's just a rat's nest of, of trouble and headache so i thought i'd complement that by diving into live coding and audience participation <laughs> two other very tricky topics yeah so it's going to be a busy couple of months but then a conference again is a good way to get that's a good way to get your name out there i guess going up and actually doing a talk but then attending as well and yeah it's great to attend as well so i've been to lots of conferences should we say what the conference is called <laughs> oh well yeah yeah future sync 2019 in Plymouth in the southwest of England. So it's all going on in the southwest. I think there are still tickets available, so people should apply. The, the last one they did was two years ago, and it was amazing. I went as a just as a an attendee to go and see all the talks and lap up the wisdom, and there were some fantastic interactive coding things going on, uh, just really interesting talks. And again, 
it's a place for all the people in the area who are interested to come together. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to going, and it's that kind of local to just see what people are doing, find out what's going hmm. on in that scene. And it's interesting, conferences are a good place to see who is really pushing heavily, who's, who is hiring. So... Um, Last time, so at FutureSync when I was there last time, there were people walking around with their company's name on the front, and then we're hiring in big letters on the back. <laughs> they were explicitly there to find developers. Um, and I've been, I, I think it was a Render conference in Oxford a couple of years ago. There were like a team from Sainsbury's who were setting up a digital department, and they wanted to hire a load of developers. So they were there, and they were pushing their agenda quite heavily. So it's a good way to get a kind of sense of who who is really pushing hard to get stuff at the moment, and it varies by scale. So Render was. A, like people come internationally the sponsors are from all over the world and they're targeting remote developers or people who are based in london but future sync for instance is it does have a southwest kind of bend to it so it'll be a lot of local companies like just looking around and seeing who has got a stand who has got a little banner and are handing out freebies and talking like go up and talk to them yeah for starters you're introducing yourself to the company but you would get a sense of what those companies are and you may not have heard of them before. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's kind of like, I guess it's a bit like a freshers' fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Go around and talk to people. Yeah, yeah that's a good analogy. It's, it's similar. Yeah, And everyone is there to, I mean, there will be some people there who are just there to see the talks, but they will keep themselves to themselves. But most people, if you're in the middle, you can, it's the kind of small end networking where you could you can just strike up a conversation with someone because that's what people are there for. Yeah. Um, and that's a true, <laughs> there's, that's pro- there's probably an episode, an entire episode in the dark arts of making that first bit of a conversation in a networking <laughs> context because developers are all like there is a stereotype of being introverted and shy which I certainly fit to a, to a degree. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> no, no, honestly. Yeah. Oh, well, take Render for instance. I got halfway through that and I had a, like a kind of a min- not a panic attack but a mini like oh my god this is just too overwhelming and just slunk off and was halfway to the train station and then t- made myself turn around and go back and talk to some people because otherwise <laughs> what was I there for yeah so I guess it happens to everyone and even though we're here talking on a podcast doesn't mean that we're necessarily always outgoing people I'm not I'm not even as outgoing as you Tom <laughs> so <laughs> but when I'm at these events I mean when I'm at my meetups I just kind of I kind of something clicks in a way and i just think well i've come here people are here to talk to each other and find out more so it's kind of it's a vague it feels like a safe environment yeah you're not just turning around to someone in the pub and trying to make conversation and they could be any old weirdo they are very specifically your kind of weirdo because they're already at these events (laughs) there is a license to to make conversation where previously maybe you wouldn't have so thinking of places other places that i see that i've seen jobs pop up is uh places like twitter i got a part-time job from twitter and i've seen other people as well posting so i guess it's a similar thing to kind of these community groups is that you see these it's the people connection isn't it it's not the yeah not the blank faceless website that's just got a list of jobs it's the hmm. knowing the right people and then if you're following the right people in the right place and you you strike up a conversation with them even if it's online then you're getting that person connection oh quite love, like we're discussing about how to try and market the podcast we've got to think where our audience are well, we've got to go where they, go to where they hang out you have to do the same if you're a company hiring people you've got to go, where do developers hang out there are, there, are, there are a lot of them on twitter they're on hacker news and they're on reddit so a switched on company that's hi- looking to hire ambitious exciting developers will go to these places and be proactive in sort of reaching out um, so that's often yeah twitter is as much as like those of those of our families who we don't who don't know about tech will probably scoff like oh twitter they're all nonsense <laughs> it, it it's a genuinely you get a lot of value from it just be careful that you mute all the horrible stuff are there places where companies go out and apply to developers is there a place where you can say i'm a developer looking for a job 
does anyone want to hire me that's an excellent question it's almost as if you've read ahead in the show notes oh. i think that's that's very astute because there is this new thing coming up i mean i first found about this at a conference that i went to um it, it was sponsored by a company called hired um and they have a paradigm there's a few companies that do it hired were the first i saw um there's another one called talent.io that i've used myself and with great success and mm-hmm. they're the general idea is that they pick as like a cohort of people. Like you apply, you as a developer apply to this company. You get you set up an account, put your CV in. If you're the kind of person they're looking for, they will select a few people every month and put them in a like a batch. And then that batch is shown to companies that they have on their books, people who pay hired or who pay talent IO to be part of their ecosystem. And then they get they browse developers almost in the same way that you would browse jobs on the stack overflow job board interesting i guess that takes uh, some of the work out of it this is another thing i mean that sounds really good but i guess you've got to do all of these things you can't just oh yeah yeah just do one of them you kind of you've got to take all of these tips and you've got to get yourself on hired or talent io but you then you've also got to be looking on i guess in from places like indeed to stack overflow and the job boards and networking and i guess it's a a stressful time but at the end of it, you should hopefully come good. Yeah, so my last job hunt, I'll talk you through the process, actually. It's probably quite useful. Is I had a, Being someone who loves spreadsheets, I had a spreadsheet for it. <laughs> and I'd have like a list of the companies that I'd found and like had a, a wish list of companies that I didn't even know if they were hiring or not. I just knew companies I want to work for and then go and investigate. Generally, if they're big enough, big big tech companies are always hiring. So there's always kind of a way to get in and you can apply that way and you can sort of send in cvs um and then just kind of start building a list of places that you've applied to and then following that on to like what stage of the interview am i at is it the phone screen is it the take-home test have i got to a face-to-face interview or is it a second phone phone interview or like marking all that down going to one of these companies where you kind of submit and then companies browse and then apply to you. Totally messed up my spreadsheet because then suddenly there was this <laughs> long list of people that were phoning me and I had to make the decision like, is this someone I want to get in touch with? Do I want to have a conversation with these people? So you could then look at the company and go, they would, the nature of it being tech startups that you've never heard of before because they're new or they're fairly obscure and they're not thousands and thousands and thousands of people. They are small teams doing good work they may not be doing good work but you have to you have to assess that so you look at them and you're almost you were kind of reversing the process so i had like one half of my spreadsheet was the places i had applied to and like how i was getting on there and then there was a whole separate section at the bottom which was oh right suddenly i'm getting requests from all these companies and i then have to assess them to then get to that start that phone phone interview screen stage I like the idea of you having to keep track of it on a spreadsheet. That's something that appeals to me. So <laughs> I will be uh, making a spreadsheet after this and making sure that I start. And like you said last week, I'm going to start looking at places I want to apply to. Even though it's, I'm looking for my first job, I was kind of always worried that I wouldn't have a choice in the matter. But you've changed my mind slightly, so I'm going to start thinking about that. You specifically have enough runway to be judicial in how you approach it. You can really take the time to at least start with the dream people and work your way back from there i don't know if i don't know if that yet then we're sabotaging that by broadcasting it on a podcast if, if people listen to it and they'll go hey he's been applying for a month and he's only just applied to me i was not one of his first choices <laughs> i haven't started applying <laughs> yet yeah and also you haven't 
<laughs> you haven't done the research phase yet. You don't know who's out there, so you're. No. I imagine you will probably be applying as you find things. Um, Possibly, but not for a few months, depending on when you listen to this. Well, hopefully, most people are listening to this after you've already. They know you've got a job, and they know how the story ends. We're, <laughs> we're here in the past, not knowing. But uh, I wish we were on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough process. It's a long. It can be very long, and you have to apply to a lot of people, and you have to get used to a certain level of rejection. Some people wouldn't. You'll never hear from. Some people say nice things, but you're not what we're looking for. Sometimes you just get a no. Mm. I've had I've had all forms of rejection from when I was applying to schools, so I'm at least prepared for that. Yeah, and I think it's worth just keeping in the front of your mind that it's not a judgment on you as a developer. Um, at least no, this is that's... what I told myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I used to tell myself when I was applying as a teacher. Is it's, it's who else is there on the day? Who are you competing against? Has that other person got <laughs> a month's more experience than you or something? And then they're going to go for that person, aren't they? So it's... Yeah. And people can afford to be picky, and sometimes it's not. Maybe they just don't don't like the cut of your jib. Right, culture fit. Yeah, you've got to watch out for that. Have you come across that term? Uh, I can I can understand what it means from the, the two words that it is. <laughs> it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Some people will actively work towards trying to hire for culture fit to get people they know they can get on with because they're going to be spending a lot of time with these people. And a productive team is one that gets on. Um, but it does mean you end up with kind of siloed thinking and you, you're not exposed to new ideas from people who have got different experiences to you or come from different backgrounds or just have a different point of view. But it's good to... It's good to um push yourself and ex- expose yourself to different ideas and that's something yeah, exactly. i guess in somewhere like london you're going to get a bit more diversity aren't you in teams and people applying to things whereas that might be trickier when you move out of london i don't know i mean this is maybe delving into dangerous territory but cornwall is quite a it's not a monoculture but it's not a particularly diverse part of the country but what i've been fascinated to see is in like the prop the genuine tech companies there is a excellent amount of diversity and people people do move from lots of different areas we're in we're lucky that cornwall is a, a very spectacularly beautiful place to live the quality of life is excellent um and if you're doing tech work like the quality of living you can get down here is probably better than you can get in london generally speaking um i certainly think so i much prefer the sea to buildings <laughs> i agree instance. which is why i'm moving <laughs> yeah um and lots of other people have seen that as well uh, so there are lots of people who have come specifically to cornwall to do tech work and are doing very well um so it's not as homogenous as I, w- I would have expected well that's good to hear because um i do like i really like the diversity of different cultures in london and it's something i will miss a bit when i move down i think oh we haven't talked about this targeting specific companies you've written down here on our show notes is that on my search when i'm looking for jobs is that what you were talking about earlier where you I just find a jobs website and I just apply straight to them. So what I mean by targeting specific companies is picking someone that you really want to work for, someone that you know that you get on, you like you like their product, you're aware of them already. You haven't just found them on a job board. You have experience of either using what they work with or having seen, known about their culture beforehand um, and knowing that they're in a place you want to work. And then really just going all out, on, like tailoring your application to them. Do not be general, do not generalize build a website just for applying to that company um, and it's a high risk because you can't do that for everything uh, if you are going to like, maybe apply in, over the course of some a couple of months you might apply to 150 companies yeah possibly you can't you can't be very specific for every one of them but the ones that you really like the ones you want to get like do research make take the time to really craft a very specific application yeah well that's what I used to do for every single uh, application I sent out 
I wouldn't be used to just applying somewhere without doing that. So maybe that's, oh, that's good. That I'm going to have yeah. to change. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you've got the right idea, and like I don't think blanket spamming gets very far. Generally, like speaking. every every cover letter was basically rewritten. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> based, yeah, yeah, yeah. based yeah. on who I was applying to. Yeah. Right, you should yeah. cover letters for sure should be different for everybody. Even if you are applying to 100 people in the course of like a month, everyone should get their own cover letter. And I guess that's part of what makes it a stressful time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Finding a job is a lot of work, particularly when you get to the stage where people are giving you take-home exercises to do as well. So you get five people phone you up in one day and say, "Oh yeah, well here's this here's this exercise. Go and code a little thing." And they're, they're mm. all different things, and you've got to do them all over a weekend. Yeah, well, I've heard very um, job. negative things about those. As a lot, oh, I've heard people complaining about them on like podcasts I've listened to in the past. I've just heard people saying, and particularly on people who are already doing it in their spare time i guess if you're still working it's a oh yeah of, like, it's a tricky <laughs> was thing it the, the fellow that wrote homebrew that m- like 90 percent of the developers at google use to install their systems couldn't yep. get a job at google because <laughs> of some we could whiteboard a ridiculous algorithm that was never useful in any kind of work scenario <laughs> uh, companies yeah, a lot of companies do have systems that are tailored to like you have to be good at passing interviews you don't necessarily have to be good at doing the job to get the job it's uh, yeah it's a bit backwards i think a lot the the ones that are worth working at are working hard to change that and make their applications relevant to the work that they do and another thing even though you may end up finding yourself dealing with like lots of companies that aren't interested or that it's just not the right time or suitability isn't there you still have to assess the company that you're applying to you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you Mm, that's a really good point so We've discussed them all. Right, I'm going to give you two minutes on the clock. Recruiters are wonderful people. Discuss. I don't know if I can keep that up for two minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they, they, no, no. Right, I, I think there are there are levels here. I think there are the people that will you will ch- you change one thing in your LinkedIn profile, and then the next day you get ten phone calls saying, "Oh yes, I heard you, Nook." Caberna turners can you can you do some Caberna turners for the work that we're doing I know what that is yeah That's yeah Kubernetes yes <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not that, that I genuinely had that phone call like a couple of weeks ago someone rang up and I was like who's this and I was like oh, I hear you like Caberna turners oh dear <laughs> yeah, I'm just, no I've, I've never I've never touched it for a start <laughs> it's just that I work somewhere that uses it and I've worked several places that use it but it's yeah, yeah. it's an example that, People will see a keyword and then they'll jump on that keyword and think, nah, I can I can get some money out of this somehow. And we've got to remember what they're doing is they're looking at the same job adverts you're looking at often and just trying to, like, I have a client who has this job does not mean that they have a client who has a job available. Yeah, but I mean, I've had a couple, but they've both been Python Flask related, so I guess it can be well targeted. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. They're being... Yeah, there are levels to it. Um, so the top level, the top level, the ones that you just avoid like the plague are those who are just keyword doing a keyword search on LinkedIn and doing it, yeah, getting in touch off the back of that. But sometimes someone might get in touch saying, "Oh, I read your article on this that you posted on your blog." Like, say I was doing web audio stuff, and someone got in touch and said, "Oh, I hear you know web audio. We're looking for someone who knows web audio." I mean, that's an excellent introduction. <laughs> that's mm. like the that's the dream scenario. <laughs> And sometimes it is recruiters that do that because companies will hire a recruiter and give a recruiter an exclusive access to this job for a certain amount of time in order to help to find a really good candidate. 
Um, sometimes people who are taking it really seriously do go down that route. So don't dismiss them all, but be able to read. It's like, it's like the difference between someone who has heard about you sending you an email versus the Nigerian prince who has <laughs> a million pounds that he needs to transfer. Yes. But you just need to yeah. send him a hundred grand. You can first. kind of, you can get a feel for it fairly yeah. quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there are some that work really hard and do a really good job, but they've, the ratio is very skewed towards the scumbags. Yeah. Not a good ratio. Yeah. No, but yeah, keep an eye out and don't dismiss them. And particularly if you're, a contractor or a freelancer they can be very interesting they can be very useful so it may even be almost it's almost like the talent agency model in theater or acting it's that there is you have an agent perhaps rather than a recruiter who looks out for jobs and they have loads of employees on their books and you're an independent entity but they're still kind of they're your representative mm. that can be that can be a fantastic great uh, way to do it and the companies i was talking talking about before hired and talent io they are recruiters they yeah. are recruitment companies but it's they've got a slightly different paradigm so it's like, a, you've gone to them i guess <laughs> yeah okay so we've got lots of well i've got i've got a lot of work to do it seems i'm going to get my spreadsheet up and start yeah, absolutely. searching uh searching up some companies in the area i'll be moving to and start thinking about places to apply to and looking at these new job boards i've got like a massive list here now of things <laughs> to start looking at which is fantastic so thank you um and thank you listeners for joining us again hopefully you found some use from it as well and don't forget if you've got any questions then just get in touch with us on twitter at aqo code um or at thomas hazeldean for tom and i'm at ed python yeah and it would be really interesting to hear if other people are in either the same boat that you're in as in you're just at the start of this process or people who have first-hand experience like in the last few months of having gone through finding a finding a job and what that position was like because sometimes it can be quite harrowing sometimes it can be quite exciting It'd be really interesting to hear people's stories about that yeah and we can always share some extra maybe websites that maybe tom and i didn't know about uh, that could be useful as well for finding jobs or things like that yeah and i think that's probably a really good shout out is to say any back-end experts out there send send python related yes please to thank us. you <laughs> it's a different sphere to the one i move in i'm very front-end focused so pythonistas get in touch don't forget to rate uh subscribe tell your friends etc as well so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week but yeah i will, I will second ed's thanks and we'll see you next week cheers bye bye